Welcome to Canny Cross Conversations with me, Michelle. And me, Louise, talking all things dogs, running and canny sports. This episode is sponsored by Non-Stop Dogwear, releasing your dog's potential through robust, reliable and ergonomically designed gear. Whether that dog is small or big, purebred or a mix, a world champion or a family dog, does not matter. All dogs are equal and deserve nothing but the best. Dog jackets are more than just fashion. They keep your dog happy and comfortable in any condition, allowing you to get out and have fun together, whatever the weather. Check out Nonstop's new range of trekking dog raincoats and insulated jackets. Head to your local Nonstop Dogwear stockist. On today's podcast, we chat to the author of a book that seemingly everybody in the running world is talking about at the moment is Ali Bailey and she's just written a book about um, her depression and alcoholism and how she's got through that with some running and her dog Pickle. So we're really excited to have Ali on and there were actually there were quite a few goosebump moments in there for me. I don't know about you Louise. I just I just find the whole her whole story I mean the book I, I suggest you go and read the book because it was it was really good. It was hard. It was a hard read. Yeah. Um, but yes, there were. And she's just well, she's singing from the same hymn book as we are, isn't she? Yeah. Which is great. It's great to, to see about running, about dogs, about canny cross. Um, so, yeah. So go and have a listen. I think you will enjoy. Today on Canny Cross Conversations, we have Ali Bailey on the podcast. Ali is an ultra runner, a coach, a speaker, author and co-host of the podcast Ultra Sound System with Anna Harding, who we've also had on the podcast before. Plus, Ali is a proud mum of her rescue dog, Pickle. So welcome, Ali, and thank you for joining us. You're probably you... the first person that's ever said that I'm a mum to my dog. Oh, we are, though, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Thanks. They are our special, our yeah. special little things and they don't answer back like real children do <laughs> <laughs> sorry Thomas um anyway so welcome and do you want to just tell us a little bit about you and your book sort of where all the running started from I suppose yeah so thanks for having me um Pleasure. sorry Pickle's asleep so she didn't know this wasn't a diary but she, again she's asleep so she won't be joining us today but um yeah, I started running maybe, I don't know, like a long time ago. I'm 42 now. I think I was about 27 when I started running. Um, and I was really, I had always suffered from like depression quite badly. Uh, I was a functioning alcoholic, although I didn't realise that at the time. And um, it was a last ditch attempt to make myself feel better, really. So, um, you know, doctor suggested I do it. I hadn't done any exercise since school. I'm from that school age of oh you're not very good at that so don't do it anymore you know like they used to be like you're not very good at netball running to go and do like English or science instead of going maybe we should make you good at it so from like the age of like 13 to like the age of 27 I did no exercise whatsoever which is just when you think about that now that's mad isn't it yeah um so I started running then uh but then it wasn't until I got pickle that I started running with the dog like I got pickle six now so I've had her for I think five years in August it'll be she's the same age as my pickle oh I know who isn't up here because she's not allowed upstairs what what flavor is your pickle she's a black lab 
And she had puppies this year. Oh, <gasps> last year. I know. Oh, they were, yeah, they were adorable. Don't Thank even you. start. I bet they were absolutely incredible. I would have had one in each pocket just been walking around with them. I don't. I didn't keep one. But anyway, that's all <gasps> in the store. I know. I know. I know. A monster. How could you not keep one? <laughs> Very hard. But there are two still in the village that I live in, and I see them regularly. So and I keep getting sent pictures. So I feel part of their lives. So that's the main thing. So, yeah. So I think you, you've done what most of us have done. We started running. We, you know, not enjoyed exercise at school, although I actually did enjoy it. But, you know, I didn't enjoy the academic side. So I think you're either one way or the other. Aren't yeah. You? Um, and then we all start again. You know, do you know we... what my school report said about running? It's so funny. My year seven school report says Alice shows promise in running. If only she'd put in some effort. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of like now. As well, <laughs> surely nobody could say show, you don't put the effort in now. I show promise, but I haven't really been putting the effort in. I haven't. I've got I've got myself a coach this year because I'm like I'm not fulfilling my potential. I'm too busy blaming pickle wanting to have a sniff. I'd be like, oh, let her have a sniff. I'll just chuck the stick for her. And it's like, no, Ali, do you need to put some effort in? Like, because you're not, you're not like, you're not doing this the way that you should really be doing, it, or the way I feel like I should be doing it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying harder. I have a coach and she's sitting right there, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a check-in after this. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Like, yeah. Yes. It's, but it's so easy not to, isn't it? And yeah, it is. For a run. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so what, but, what made you write the book then, Ali? At what point did you sit down and think, right, I want to actually put all my thoughts down on um, paper? It took three years. And when yeah. I first started it, it was a, I remember where I was, I was in my house in this awful little house I lived in um I was so depressed I was hideously drunk I was like I don't want to be here anymore and I picked up a book by Matt Hay called Reasons to Stay Alive and I read the whole book in one night it's quite a small book and I was like I'm gonna write a book like this because I because it helped me like I'd, even though I drank like a bottle and a half of rose or like two bottles of rose that was my drink of choice it's not very rock and roll was it a nice a nice blush um I was like that it actually helped me that book because it was very short and to the point and uh so I thought, I'm going to start to write, I'm going to write a book in a drunken haze. So I literally started writing it that night and probably four sentences that I wrote that night are in the book, like, because it took so long. I kept coming back, going back to it. I'd written, I'd always written, like, I'd always written, like I'd always, I, when I was younger, I wrote for the local paper. I wrote about bands and stuff for the local paper and I'd always blogged, uh, written like diaries and stuff. So I had it all there and I just thought I want to, I wish I I thought I wish I could help myself so that's why I started to write the book and then I left it for ages I had a lot of people tell me that I couldn't write a book and I'd never get it published so there was no point men mainly uh who hadn't been published and um I uh so I let I came and went with it and then when I got I had a really 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 severe mental health crisis in 2021 the rock bottom skidding flat on your face on granite like this is the end and when I came out of that, I wrote this really long blog and I was like, that was helpful. And then I thought, if I can put down this stuff and kind of start to make sense of what's happened over the last 20 odd years to get me to this point where it just feels like everything is now like it's rock bottom, then maybe I can help other people. Maybe I can help myself to put put it together and like rationalise it a bit because it's really difficult to rationalise when your own brain's done that to you. Um and um, it's no one else's fault. It's all gone on inside you. And you're like, why is this happening to me? Um, 
and so yeah that's why I did it and then uh as I started to get more and more well I worked harder and harder on it it was really hard to write and it was not it's not a happy book and it's not and people are like oh do you feel better now and I'm like no because now everybody knows all my secrets it's gross there is the pages are filthy they're like full of all the worst things that people are most frightened of like the most shameful secrets but I'm like if I can put that out there and say look there's nothing to be ashamed of it's just it's just circumstances just life then maybe that will help other people and it has helped other people. So the job is done, basically. I've, I've, you know, I always said I wanted to help. If I help one person, it's worthwhile. And I've, I get messages every day from people I don't know. I got one this morning from someone that's like, I cannot believe there is someone else out there that is an alcoholic and runs marathons. This, this person is a nurse in the NHS. Mm. And it's like, nobody knows. And I'm like, whoa. And she's like, and now I've, I've seen this. I'm like, I, I can get well and I'm going to try and get well. And I'm like, that's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. So it's done and, and I'm thrilled. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we both read your book and, and I remember I, I started it before Michelle, didn't I? And I haven't gone through what you've gone through and I can't even half imagine what you've gone through. But I found it quite hard at the beginning to read and whether that's because it wasn't happening to me, but I, I don't know. I just found it quite hard. And I remember saying that to Michelle. I find this really hard yeah. to read. Um, but anyway, it, it, I got I got through that. In what, in what way? In the way that you felt like, because a lot of people are like, I can't get past the first few pages because I start crying. Yeah, like, just oh. like we felt bad for you because like all, right, yeah. all this stuff was happening to you. And yeah, it, it's a very dark start to the book, isn't it? I mean, I think it has to be. I don't think anybody who hasn't been through that can even begin to understand it. But that was the point. Yeah. I want people who can't, who've got daughters, sons, mothers, brothers, sisters, colleagues, best friends, who haven't ever been through it, to try and go through it. That's why that blog, that first blog, is verbatim, word for word, exactly what I wrote down. And that's the closest I've come to be able to explain it to somebody. Because it's like just maniacal darkness it's like watching a netflix documentary about yourself it's horrendous and even now i'm like did that actually happen but then i'm like yeah it did i remember where i was when i wrote it i remember the pub i was in when i wrote it i remember how i felt i remember the smell of the pizza i remember the taste of the wine i remember all of it um god i remember the meeting i was in i remember the the guys looking at me like i was actually mad because i just got up swore at them all and just left the meeting god it was awful i would never do that now (laughs) but but But, i'd had enough yeah, and you're coming from where I sort of now you're coming from where we are, I suppose. If that yeah. makes sense. So it, it's so you yeah. can sort of imagine how. Yeah. yeah, there's a bit where I talk about being in heels and going and looking at pillows and like bedding. And I was in IKEA the other week. I had, a, I had an afternoon. I went to Caddy Cross with Pickle really early on Sunday morning, and I was like, "What idiot put in a ten across me at quarter past seven on a Sunday?" But after I'd done it, and it was like half past ten, and I was like, "I've got a whole day." I went to IKEA. And I walked around the bedding section and there were loads of couples and loads of people. And I was like, I'm quite enjoying this. And then I remembered the last time I'd done that. And I was like, you were not enjoying that. No. So, because it's it's just so like interesting when you're so far away from it to have it written down and remember it. But that's what I wanted. I want people to feel uncomfortable and I want people to be like, oh my God, this is really awful. Because when people say to you, I don't feel very well or this is happening to me maybe if you can get into it you can see they're not making it up they're not being dramatic they're not like seeking attention that's what's going on and it's absolutely horrendous yeah 
And I, and I do, if you've not read it, um, it, it, the book is called There Is No Wall. And, and actually, that was really interesting. How you came up with the title, wasn't it? I really like that. I mean, can you just tell our listeners that? We will get on to Pickle, don't worry. <laughs> I think this is all really important that we talk about this because Pickle is she's a, a, a rage that we're not <laughs> talking about. Um, so in 2019, it was the first ever national running show. And uh, I had been invited there by Michael, who runs the running show, Mike Seaman. He's such a good, good man. And I was on this mental health panel with me, a few other people. I was really hungover and I was ill and I was just wanted to get out of it. I just didn't want to be there anymore. Um, and but the irony was I was on this mental health panel and I was basically saying, running will save you. That's what I was saying. Didn't believe it, but I was like being held up as this bastion of Ali's got depression and she's an ultra runner. Um, and um, we got to the end of the panel and this little girl put her hand up. She was really little. And her question was, what happens when I hit the wall? She had this half marathon that she was running and she was just absolutely terrified of hitting the wall. And I just was like, what? Like, I knew of the existence of the wall in inverted commas. I'd read about it in Runner's World. I'd read about it in, like, various books. I Even when I trained for my first marathon, Runner's World said, at mile 18, you'll hit the wall. And I'm like, what the hell is the wall? And they're like, it's this terrible feeling where you hit like a brick wall and you can't go on anymore uh, and, it, and it's make or break time eat some gels and I was like right so when I ran my first marathon at mile 18 I'm like where's the wall where's the wall it's Canary Wharf where's the wall where's the oh 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 oh, oh, oh I don't know where the wall is anywho crack on finish the race everything's great because the wall doesn't exist it only exists in your head and it exists in like these places where people want to buy want you to buy things like their kit or their food or their gels or their water or their glucosate or whatever and I said to her, there isn't a wall. Like, there's don't allow yourself to think there is, because if you think it's there, then it will be there. Like, what? And and I just was like, why is she gonna ruin this day that she's trained for for so long by thinking something bad's gonna happen? Like, just go and enjoy it, like go and enjoy the process. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, where the hell has that come from? <laughs> like, because where has that come from? And I remember Susie Chan was presenting and she came up to me afterwards and she went, There is no wall, I like that. And I was like, so do I. Whoever said that was a bit genius. I don't know where it came from. And then when I, when I was writing the book, I was like, that is what the book is called. And even when I spoke to my publishers, even when like the publishers got in- interested, my publisher was like, do you want to, sh- what about the title? I'm like, it's not changing. And they tried to change it like three or four times. I was like, it is not changing. It's always been that. And even though it's like, there's bits of the book, there's a lot of a book where it's like, hang on a minute, Bailey, there's a lot of stuff here that you're making up. Like, as in like, I can't do that because of this or like the alcoholism, you know, that was a constant wall. Like it was like being in a maze, but it was one that I, the the message is I'd made up this idea that I had to drink. I didn't have to drink, but it was the me thinking I had to drink in order to survive that the, or like the drink was a part of me that stopped me from seeing clearly that actually once you go, Oh, maybe, a, maybe that is something I need to change that things open up for you. So yeah, that's where the title came from. And and people said to me, has that girl come forward? Like, do you know where she is? I'm like, no. But I'd love oh. to do, like, a nationwide search for her to find yeah. her. Yeah, like, how did your half marathon go? Did you hit the wall? Like, yeah, maybe like, she's, like, some incredible, like, ultra running out. Or maybe she never ran a marathon a half again because she did hit the wall and it was awful. I don't know. But She might she might even be a canny crosser, so she might be listening to us now. Maybe she, she maybe, maybe. Like, yeah. were you at the running show in 2019? Did you watch a <laughs> mental health panel and ask a question about a wall and a half marathon? Were you? Like, I'd love that. I'd love to find her. 
No, I think yeah, and, and I did that. Just really resonated with me when, with me when, when it, yeah, when when you sort of said that because there's me saying at the beginning I don't understand what you've been through and I don't. I'm sure Michelle's the same. But when I'm running now, you know, you you said your book cover says running won't save you, but it's like actually it's like I saying crisps will save you. I know, but yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it's like we all have that internal voice. You had it a lot bigger than maybe me, but you got through some amazing feats. When I was reading it, I was thinking, well, there's no way I could do that, whether I was, you know, under the... Do you want to know, right, what the funniest thing about running is? That it's one of the only sports or one of the only times where we start doing it and while we're doing it, we tell ourselves we can't do it. Yeah. the whole time yeah. oh, I'm tired I'm, I'm this I'm that I need this I need that oh my god if I feel like this it's five miles how am I going to feel at 10 miles oh my god I don't know if I can do it I don't and then you look at, and then suddenly like you finished it so even while thinking you can't do it you're actually doing it mm. you're doing the thing you think you can't do so if you can recognize that that's when you can flip it and be like I'm doing it this is great and do you know what makes it more enjoyable if I slow down a little bit if I put this podcast on if I put this playlist on maybe if I had something to eat it'll be even more fun oh look at that do you know what I'm going to flip my route around the other way so I can see things the other direction next time like when you recognize that it's only thoughts because that's all it is mm. thoughts can't do anything to you they're just thoughts like literally they're just thoughts they can't kill you they can't make you do stuff they're just thoughts and whether you're it's whether you choose to accept and believe them so next time you're out and your brain starts to go you can't do it or if you feel like if you're training for whatever it is what are you training for at the moment Anything I'm just 10k right moment. so if like if you get to 5k and you're like oh my god if I feel like this at 5k how am I going to feel at 10k just be like that's an interesting thought what's more helpful is I'm strong enough to get to 5k I can definitely do 10 yeah it's funny because I was thinking about that yes I had a race yesterday and I was thinking about that because I've not done like a proper race since last summer um, and I just finished a book on Sunday morning and I went out and did this race and I don't like racing because I don't like the feeling of pushing myself too hard and then mm-hmm. like just not feeling like I can do it justice and I had that thought in my head that any thoughts that come just let them pass over let them pass over and do you know what it does help it was really yeah. helpful in the moment yeah there's a real um, handy like uh tool I use with clients where I'm like Think of it like you're standing on a bridge and it's like a dual carriageway. So the cars are going backwards and forwards like all the time. You know, when you stand on a bridge and it's like, God, there's so yeah. many cars. That's your thoughts. Mm. And sometimes you see a car that you really like the look of. Like I'm obsessed with Suzuki Jimny commercial vehicles. I want one. I'm trying to get a free one. You're listening, <laughs> Suzuki. I need one. Me and Pickle. Tag them in. <laughs> with a tech box, right? Pickle's going to be not be happy because she won't be able to get into the boot because of the grid. Anyway, so... um. But if I see a Suzuki, I'm like, Jimny, and I follow it along the road because I'm of my motivated bias. I will pick that car and I will look at it. Same with thoughts. So if your if your thoughts are generally thoughts that aren't helpful, I'm not going to say positive or negative, because thoughts are just thoughts. It's it's yeah. our opinions, our value judgments that make them positive mm. or negative. If they're not helpful, you can choose to go, that isn't helpful. I'm going to choose a more helpful thought. So, you know, we even with racing, I'd say don't even use the word race, use the word event. It's not a race. It's just an event. I just go to this event with all these other people and celebrate the joy of running with them. That's all I do. That's it. And then it changes. You're like, actually, I'm quite looking forward to this event because it's like a, a festival rather than a, oh, my God, I've got to, like, push myself till I feel sick. So that the cars on the 
John Carriageway is a really handy analogy, I think, because if you can see your thoughts whizzing around in front of you like that, you're like, well, I don't have to follow the one that says that I'm slow and old and awful or I can't do it. I can follow the one that's like, you're out, you're having a good time and you're getting fitter every time you do this. Well, when did that happen? When did you have that realisation that for you, because obviously you were listening to your negative or your bad thoughts before you flipped it over. So there was... Louise, I didn't have any thoughts. The thoughts I had were of ending it all. Like my thoughts were so, because I was, I started drinking when I was 14 because everyone around me drank. I'm 42. So I'm of that age where in the 80s, there was booze everywhere. My parents drank. Drinking wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. Drinking meant fun. Drinking was social. You were more fun when you were drunk was the overarching like message that was going on. It was going on on TV. It was going on in my house. It was like, and I realised, because I felt quite socially awkward and like I didn't fit in, I was from a big family, so there was always a fight for attention, that if I had a drink, I didn't think that stuff anymore, or I couldn't remember thinking it, so I just so I kept drinking. And the older I got, the worse those thoughts got, the more I just drowned them and drowned them. And I was fun when I was drunk, and all oh, everything went out the window, and I could do what I wanted to, and there was an excuse because I was drunk. So it, got to, it gets to the point where the only thoughts... You can't rationalise. So if you are depressed and you have these depressing thoughts or thoughts that make you feel depressed, thoughts that aren't helpful, and my thoughts were very, very much centred around ending things, those are the only ones you can hit see on the motorway or hear because you're not, you're drunk. So you're not actually, your brain's in fog. It's not actually capable of making those, those decisions. It's capable of operating at a very low level. So it becomes like you can just about operate but you don't think there's a choice. The choice, if you feel like the choice has been taken away from you. I won't say the choice has been, but I'll say you very much feel like the choice has been. You know when you've got a hangover and you're laid in front of the TV and you can't even be bothered to switch the channel over? It's not that you can't switch the channel over. It's that your brain cannot cogitate switching the channel over. Mm. So you have the choice, you make the decision. But when you're functioning alcoholic your brain is so fogged and numbed that that decision making process becomes very very difficult so there was no way and also alcohol lies to you so it's never the alcohol's problem it's that I'm depressed and I'm defective there's something wrong with me because my my brain's not going to allow the thought that maybe it's the alcohol that's making me feel like this because that would just be mad and then I'd have to stop doing it so my brain's like no 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 it's not that that's not the problem it's you you're the problem you will always be like this and because you feel like you'll always be like it and because people tell you you will because they do like if you've got depression you've got depression that's the end of it um you don't do anything about it so I used to look at people that didn't drink or people that weren't depressed or couples or or people that were happy and be like I hate you because I'll never be like that I can't be like that and then being miserable and being depressed and being slightly funny about it became part of my personality and on we go and on we go and it wasn't until I got so, till I hit that bottom and went skidding face first into like the grit, because that's how it felt. It felt like my whole face was ripped off. I was just laying there, like, help me. But I was like, like if I'm going to get well, I need to really look at what's going on in my brain. And that's when I went, I did a little bit of therapy and I got more books and a library and started reading about how my brain works and did a lot of ACT therapy, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. And that really helped me. And I really understand how that works. So I can understand how my brain works. And it's not mumbo jumbo, it's science. And once you get hold yeah. of the science, you're like, right. If I do A plus B, then this then C will happen. 
And of course, everybody's brain is different and everybody's personality is different. But generally, I like that idea, you know, that A plus B is going to equal C. So how has your run, you have done so much ultras, marathons, you know, 200 odd marathons, isn't there, and ultras. And you've been into some of the most amazing places. (laughs) You know, so how has your running changed now that you're, you know, you're not drinking and you are in a better place with your thoughts well I like I enjoy it I enjoy it more do you yeah uh I don't do as much of it um when I was ill uh when I first started running ultras I did I did the classic went in via the marathon the London marathon um did the London marathon a few times uh and someone told me about trail running I was like, you don't have to worry about time on trail running and there's beer. And I was like, what? So I went and did some trail running and there was beer. Um, and it was very social. And um, then started ultra running. And that was even better um, because there was beer and there was loads of people and it went on for ages. And the, I found that the only time that I wasn't absolutely pulling myself to pieces was when I was running. So you got to think about other things, haven't you? Like eating and not falling over and breathing and all that stuff. Um, so during the act of running the depression the depressing the negative or the unhelpful thoughts were not as bad because I was being strategic I was like I need to eat this need to do that need to do this need to do that oh look there's a deer oh look there's this oh look there's that and I think say this in the book sometimes little thoughts will creep in like maybe you're drinking too much or would this be easier if you didn't have a hangover and I'd be like shut up and I'd be on to like there's a deer there's a horse or whatever it bought me the time to think because sometimes I'd be out there for hours like 24 hours and I'd have the time to think and things would come to me and I'd be like, well, I wonder if that is true. And then I'd be like, it's almost like having a conversation behind your friend's backs, you know, like it's like no one, no one knows I'm thinking about this. Well, I'm going to think about maybe I am drinking too much or maybe I am like, maybe I should move out of London. Maybe I shouldn't work in music anymore. Like, and then you would finish and it would be like, no, nah, I'm back to normal now. Everything's fine. That was a silly thought to have, wasn't it? Silly running thoughts. Ugh. Um, and, uh, but the thing is, because I was always hungover, it made it easier because I didn't feel anything. So I, I was thinking these things, so registering that I was thinking, but I didn't feel anything. So I didn't really feel pain. And also I was like, you have to prove you're okay. The only way to prove that you're not an alcoholic and prove you're okay is to finish these races. So I would finish them because I was doing it for a different reason. And I didn't ever DNF a race until I got sober. But then I did DNF a couple of races because I was like, this is fucking horrible. <laughs> like I just, like I just... Whereas before, I would have just been like, you have to finish. You have to prove you can do it. And now I'm like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, really. So I run less. I look after myself more. I rest more. Uh, I've got a coach um, because and my coach is, is someone that's known me for a while and has always been like, you run too much. So having someone else tell me what to do is like, oh, okay, then. Oh, that's interesting. You so you've reduced your running. And yeah. You've put some strength training in, have you? Yeah, I put like two days a week strength in. <laughs> yeah. And I say I've reduced my running, but it's like, Michelle, I'm still doing 50 miles a week. I mean, that's hardly a little bit of running, is it? Like, my base level is 50 miles a week. Yeah. I'm still doing 100-mile ultras. I'm still doing, like, 200-mile ultras. I'm still doing big, long reckeys every weekend. But I'm not. But I'm really enjoying myself. And what the thing is, I'm really enjoying the periods where I'm not running and where I'm resting. And the, the running I'm doing makes a lot more, is a lot more sort of, has a lot more value to it I really enjoy it I enjoy like going oh like this afternoon I'm getting I go well I haven't been for a run yet today which has really annoyed me but I've had stuff to do like I've had like to put the car in for 
service. I've had to do this, that, the other. But I know at 3.30, an hour, easy five miler with the dog. It's going to be a beautiful afternoon. Sun's going to be out. Spring. It's warm enough to wear a T-shirt. All those things, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so grateful that I get to do that. I'm so grateful I get to do it. I'm actually going to work really hard all day because it's going to be a massive treat when I go. Instead of being like, oh, I'm going to go out for a 10-mile bash myself about run like because I have to for my mental health it's like no I choose what I get to go I choose what I do I choose where I go I choose how I think about it and so it's different now and I feel like this conversation that we're having might be for people that are still stuck in like some sort of depressive or addictive rut might sound like airy fairy rubbish but it's not and I used to listen to people talking like this and I used to hate them and be like they're talking rubbish they're trying to fool me into like not drinking and being a saddo but it's not airy fairy rubbish. Like it is fact. Like and you've I, got the ability to change your brain and change your way you think. Yeah, and I think if people are thinking that, they're not at the stage. You know, I think everyone, even when you go through running, isn't it? You have to go through a stage. You have to go through a cycle of things before you get to that end result that you want to get to. And mm. I think that's just life. So you know, it is. Yeah, and it's that's you know people say enjoy the process. It's part of the process. And like I went through a twenty year process of not believing that there was anything wrong with my drinking. Yeah. And I had to go through that process to get to the point where I realised there was something wrong with it. So just just hark back to the strengths because we I, I'm a Pilates instructor as well as PT, but I Pilates for runners I just I harp on about it all the time because so many runners don't do strength. Have you noticed even so even in your running now the difference? Do you feel that you can go for longer or you feel the running different? I was about to stand up and go look at my ass. Like you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't even so you don't know but my ass has always been I've always had like a ass but now it's got shelf on it <laughs> my <laughs> sister went you've got shelf on your ass and I'm like oh that's annoying and the thing is I don't want that that's not for me I'm not Nicki Minaj and I don't want it but it's happened so yes I have noticed it and it's been like two years no year and a half so I joined the gym I was like I here's a classic I'm not a gym person I don't go to the gym. The gym's yeah. full of bellends. The gym's full of vain people. The gym's full of bros. The gym's, uh, people look at me because I'm obviously the one that everyone wants to look at. And the gym's awful. I love the gym now. I love it. The gym's amazing. And I think that with my clients, I'm like, you can change the way you think about it that yeah. easily. Because instead of thinking it's full of bros and bellends, I think it's full of people that are just trying their best to be the best they possibly can in whatever way that is. And that's amazing. What a great space to share with people. What an inspiring space to be in. And if you think about it like that, it's like yeah. you want to go in there. You want to be with these guys. And it's- now I'm like in there. So, and also it's like, I've noticed I can run up hills. I can run down hills. I did a recce in the lakes at the weekend, 7,000 foot of vert, 23 miles. I was running down the hills at the end through the bogs. And my quads were not making a sound. Whereas I've been in situations where I've been like, here's a flat bit of road, Dragon's Back, for example, and I can't run on it. And it's slightly downhill and it's a road, but my quad's so sore, I can't run on it. And that's the difference, isn't it? When you're like, it's not about being able to run up a hill at seven minute miles. It's not about like being able to lift like a hundred kilograms. It's about noticing the difference in the running and also the recovery from the running because I recover really quick. I don't ache anymore. No, and it's as well. We just go on about it all the time, and I think yeah. people get bored of us, don't they, Michelle? I think but, they do. Yeah, but, I think um, people again think it's like some sort of myth, or like yeah. they try to trick them. It's, yeah, it's like it's long, especially women. 
if you your longevity and running depends on your strength the end like and, and so does everything else like you're you're it, when you get menopausal when you as you get older with your, like your bone density if you're strong you know, we're not asking you to spend five nights a week in the goddamn gym lifting weights um, once a week like and there's so much so much scientific yeah. evidence out there which is um yeah you're you're singing art from the same you know book as us mm, yes. we we um yeah and yeah anyway we won't go into that one because i wish i lived nearer to you because i'd come to pilates because i'd love to go to pilates uh, well, talk, i liked I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards anyway <laughs> so let's talk about pickle oh yeah so she's a she's a rescue isn't she from bulgaria update she's on the sofa now oh bless her <laughs> for those listeners who are just hearing the audio here she's this cute dog asleep on the sofa very cute she's not cute yeah. she's horrendous she is <laughs> the love of my life oh. is that me pinging turn my things off she no. is the love of my life she was an accident um she came along when i did not or was not in the market for a dog i've i've, I've always loved dogs and i had dogs while i was growing up uh, but she came along at a time when I was not equipped for a dog. I lived in a studio flat in Muswell Hill in London. Uh, yeah, I just lost my biggest client. It was an absolute nightmare. I didn't have a garden. Didn't have anything. Just had one room. My friend, Catherine, earlier in the year, she had a brain aneurysm. And she um, was trying to go back to work because she couldn't. And I said, why don't you go and do something like just that isn't work <laughs> like so she, so we found her this dog sanctuary in bulgaria and we sent and i sent her off there for three weeks because i thought if you go and volunteer at something it might make you feel good she'd lost a sense of smell lost a sense of taste so she was really good at that work because obviously there's dog like <laughs> shit, vomit there's ticks there's dirt and she's like i can deal with this because i can't smell any of it or taste any of it but when she got there she realized that she she was actually terrified of dogs but she'd forgotten because part because this brain aneurysm one of the things was she'd lost her short-term memory so she started to love dogs and she kept sending me pictures. And then one day I got this picture of this dog. It was a little puppy and it looked like a little um, Alsatian puppy. That's what it looked like with massive paws. And it was dirty and gross. It was covered in ticks and it was pickle. And it, oh my God, I just was like, that's my dog. I wasn't the market for dog ladies. <laughs> I couldn't have a dog. I was an alcoholic. I just lost all my clients. I was in this studio flat. I couldn't afford to pay my rent. Next thing I know, this goddamn dog's on the way from Bulgaria. And I went to pick her up. And I thought that when I picked her up, it would be like some sort of Disney film. And like she would jump out of the, the, the crate and be like, Mummy. And I'd be like, oh, my baby. And there'll be a rainbow and, a, and some music. But what there was was me in bits. I drank three beers at the services waiting for her. Because I was so like, oh my god, I was so nervous. And she got out of the vehicle, and she just couldn't stand up. She was so scared, like she just couldn't. So, and my then boyfriend had to pick her up. She stank because she'd been in a crate for three days, covered in like dog poo and all other sorts of things. She was shaking. She couldn't speak English, but she was Bulgarian, <laughs> and uh, she was all limbs. And I didn't even like the look of her. I was like, she's got a really pointy face. God, what's wrong with me? I was like, she's got a horrible pointy face. I don't remember her looking like that. And, How old uh, was she at this point? They said she was six months, but the, the vet said she was three and a half, four months. Oh, bless. And she'd been found at the side of a road. They'd gone to pick her up as a dead dog because they thought she was dead. So they put her, tried to put her in a body bag, but her heart was beating. So they took her back to the, the home. And she had so many ticks on her that she looked like an armadillo. Oh, like bless. she was just covered in them. It's quite weird because she's never had a tick since. 
Is that weird? Yeah. I reckon she's immune to ticks. But um, she was a mess and I was a mess and I thought that she'd be magic and I thought oh yeah the next do you know what I did the day I got the day after I got her I took her to the pub <laughs> I dragged her on a lead to the pub this dog that had never been outside of a farm in Bulgaria in the middle of London buses people I was the worst dog mom she didn't want to walk she wouldn't go anywhere and it took months and months and months for me to get to the point where I was like this isn't working. I need to leave London. And so we left. And once we left London, uh, we moved down to Somerset where my boyfriend was living with his two dogs. Everything changed. She was a different dog. But then I was a different person because I was like, I've done it now. I've left London after 20 odd year- years of living there. So it was almost like she was, I, it was almost like I got her because I knew something had to change. And it was like, when it's someone else, when it's your kids, you know, like if you don't want to be at a party, you can always blame your kids, can't you? Oh, so who so, wants to go home? But like with with the leaving London, it was almost like I could blame Pickle. It's not me, it's the dog. I'm not the weak one leaving London. I have to go for Pickle, you know. And um, when she got into the countryside and she had the other two dogs there with her, things started to change quite rapidly. And she just became like the greatest little like partner ever. But when when I was still living in London, the only time she wasn't frightened was when we were running. I used to take her for like 5Ks around the woods at... um, on Muswell Hill at Highgate Wood. And I know, and at the time, I didn't know anything of, I didn't, didn't know it was bad. She was only five months old. Yeah. <laughs> 5K yeah, on a collar, like no harness, no nothing. But she loved it. She was like, that's when she came alive. She was like bouncing next to me. And then the minute we stopped and got back onto the road, I had to pick her up again because she was like, I'm not walking around. I want to go running again. I wonder if it's like the work it because I was doing a canny cross taste for the weekend and it's like a working dog. They sort of zone in to what they're doing, aren't they? And it's almost yeah. like working so that they they focus and they forget. She, a bit like she, you running. It's a bit, yeah, yeah. She's um obviously a mongrel, but she's they all look the same. These European dogs, don't they? That's yeah. very dog racist of me, but they do. They've got a look, right? So she's got one. I've got a rescue from Romania. So yeah, yeah. So they've got. Yeah. Is yours got a curly tail? She has, yeah. Curly yeah, so tail, long limbs, yeah. Yeah, Zorro, her little brother, her brother from another mother. Zorro has got the curly tail, like the little pigtail. Yeah. Um, she, and they all look a little bit foxy and a yeah, little bit do. kind of collie-ish. And she has definitely got Bulgarian mountain dog in her. And they're herding dogs, they use them to protect the sheep. She's a herder. She herds people, she herds other dogs, and she herds sheep when she's not supposed to. Oh, um, no. I just tidied them up for you, mummy. Please don't. <laughs> I'm begging you <laughs> to stop. Home. Yeah. That farmer doesn't want you to tidy them up. Um, so she, that's, I think that's it. I think she's got, she's, it's bred into her, this working instinct. And so yeah. you put a canny cross, like she runs in a, a nonstop rock harness with me as a everyday running harness so that she doesn't pull because otherwise it would be awful. She's got a proper nonstop harness. And the minute you put her, it on her, everything changes. She's like a machine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, we I run in a non-stop free motion. Probably mm-hmm. yeah, pickle does. My pickle does. Yeah. That's what she um, runs in when she's going to Canning Cross. Yeah. And it's it's amazing, isn't it? How they just know. They know the difference between harnesses. I mean, I will pickle with a slip lead just to try and get that definition. But as mm-hmm. soon as she's in that, I mean, she came back, and I have told this story from before, but she came back from pregnancy, having the pups. And we went to a race and I was just going along to um, see how she was. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, my goodness. As soon as we got there, she was in race mode. We PB'd. We did everything. I mean, I wasn't expecting it. I was like, oh, she's going to slow down. <laughs> but she didn't. It's dogs don't we have maternity PB'd. leave, do they? <laughs> just don't have the maternity leave. Instinct. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah. So she. So it is interesting how they go into that zone and do it. Yeah. Um, so how how often do you canny cross her and and how? I mean, she does some really long run. We, there's so many questions. She's a bit her. different, right? So I don't know whether I'm going to open a can of worms here, but Probably. when I first got involved with canny cross, I found it a bit snobby, right? No, that's fine. There's there's, there's lots of different. Found it a bit cliquey. And there was a certain canny cross group near where I lived, and they were very, uh, should we say, fastidious on their rules about how it should be done. And I was like, I ain't having this because it's my dog. And um, Pickle is a very, very hardy dog. She's got very thick fur, but in the summer it all comes out, so it gets very, very short. Mm -hmm. She's great in the heat. She's great in the winter. These dogs are so well built. Like, she's never ill, ever. The vet is always like, this dog is incredible. Her teeth are so white. And I'm like, I know, because she's like a flipping survivor. Obviously, we don't, I don't take her out in the heat of the summer. In the summer, her, her running goes right down. And she goes yeah. out early in the morning or late at night. And she doesn't go out and do ultras. But in the winter, she's an ultra dog. So she's run around the Isle of Wight. She's done two days in December. She's done the whole of Hadrian's Wall in two days. She did that. So my ex-boyfriend, Julius, is her dad. And... He sees her all the time because he's six foot one and he weighs more than me. He's the canny cross one. She goes oh, canny cross with him because yeah. when she's in that harness, I cannot keep up with her. I just can't do it. It's like she's going to take me down. So Julius takes to canny cross. I take her out every day on what I call our endurance training runs. So she comes out three or four times a week with me. And if I go out and do a recce, so last week she came on the Lakes Traverse recce and she did 24 miles. Absolutely fine. No problem whatsoever. Um, she can knock out 24 to 30 miles and still do like 15 miles in the week like no problem whatsoever uh, but she will always have a rest day the day after yeah. like she always has the day even if she doesn't want one she's still having one so she's very much like we I've Julius has raced her but not in a way that like maybe once in a blue moon type way yeah. and Julius takes her every couple of weeks to Canny Cross for socializing and because she really loves it so she's made some really good friends there she's not that great with other dogs um but we have yet to put her into sort of race races. Um, and I'm kind of loath to do it because I feel like she enjoys it so much. Like, you know, just coming out with people. But I don't know if I will ever do it. I've seen a couple of ultras, though, that I'm interested in. There's one in Wales. Yeah, there's a big one in Wales. Yeah, yeah it's 30 miler. Yeah, it's the first, first official one. Yeah. Uh, well, they've done it for the last couple of years now. So we have, yeah, we've had our podcast, yeah. Johnny Fletcher. Fletcher. Um, he's done a podcast with us on it so uh, a good listen good one to listen to Alex. yeah I will listen to it because I've got a few clients that are doing it with their dogs but oh, I was yeah. like I want to see how it goes it's awful I'll see how it goes before I put Pickle in um, yeah. it seems like a really big event and it's a long way yeah. um, I mean she would do 30 miles no problem but I, the thing is with dogs they can't regulate I mean yeah. Pickle can't regulate so she goes off like a steam train and it's like you need to stop doing that and I haven't got quite got to the stage yet where I can instruct her on what to do or Julius well, instruct her on what to do yeah, they don't. But I was just going back to what you said about, I don't know if I race her, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never raced Poppy. I feel the same as you do, Ali, actually. And I think because Poppy just enjoys being out just on our own because she's really reactive. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she's been on the streets for a while. 
Um, but I, I am loath to put her in a race environment as well because I don't particularly enjoy races either. So I think the two of us there. Is, <laughs> is Poppy Romanian? She's Romanian, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that her pick will be like, with these British dogs in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to stick up for racing here, but I love it. But I think that's my. I, I think because I went out running for ages, I started running again with Pickle, uh, sort of big time. And that competitive nature came back that I thought, I'd, you know, because I'm getting old now, I thought that mm. had dulled down. But it, it's not, and it's there. And, and actually, she loves it. And I'm not doing as much as I, I used to with her now, but as in racing. Do you know what I used to love? I used to love park run. Yes, I used well, to love taking her to park run because yeah, it was well, short enough for me to be like, I can keep up with her for this amount of time. Mm. But, but now they, like, they do they do bark runs around. They do do bark runs, but um, I don't know if we've got one near us actually. Pick, I wish I'd have a look. But um, but yeah, the thought that I can't take a park run on a leaf because she'll rip my arm off. <laughs> so no, exactly, and that anyway, yeah. that's again that's a whole that's a whole kind of yeah, other worm. That's a whole but, other yeah. thing, don't we? But I think yeah. I think overall, what you're saying, and I think you know, there's two kinds. One that you know your dog. We know there's there's um, times when people shouldn't be running their dogs mm-hmm. just. It's sensible not to. Yeah, but there's times when people should be running as people. It's like, don't go out in the middle of the day in July when it's like 35 degrees. It's ridiculous. Exactly. It doesn't make you hard. It just makes you stupid. (laughs) We have to educate people. So, and anyway, so that's uh, still a big thing. But yeah, I think people can across the people I'm taking, you know, introducing to can across now, they just want to go out and come and meet us. We meet up every week and we go for a run and it's mm-hmm. a bit of a chat. And if I want to go off and run faster or harder or longer, I go with someone that will do that with me and we do that separately. Yeah, we have, um, I've been to a couple of her meetings like she, and Pickle, honestly, like she used to be so reactive and Julius was like, no, she's really great now. She gets out of the car, she says hi to all the other dogs. I'm like, no, she doesn't. That's rubbish. <laughs> then I turned up and she was. And she was like, hi, hi, Lemonade. She got a dog friend called Lemonade, who she oh. loves. And I think calling your dog Lemonade is genius. So she loves <laughs> Lemonade. Not Trevor, though, because Trevor's trouble. Anyway, then we got this one, then we got this one. And I'm like, why is she being so nice to them? Not barking at them, not pie-facing them, not growling at them. It's like she knows. Like they're her crew. Her yeah. Her, and she gets really pack. impatient. So if if the proper pickle is, if you put a, if you go out for a run and you meet more than three people and you're standing around chatting, she gets really impatient. And then she'll start to make really high-pitched screaming noises. And then she's like, we need to get now. And it's like, okay. So it's, she's not very social with just like normal groups of people. Yeah. But I think she's like me. I do a lot of events, but they're events that are hard. So like, you know, like the ARC or like Lakeland 100. I'm not going to win those things. And I'm not there to win them. I'm there for the amazing experience, the camaraderie. That's what she's there for, I think. She's there yeah. to like be off the lead a bit with the other dogs, a bit of like falling in bogs, a bit of this, a bit of that. Pickle's been running with Damien Hall. He doesn't even like dogs. That's cool. Yeah. It wasn't um, cool because we were running down towards Snake Pass. She was off the lead and she started to chase birds. And I, had to, and I was like, I'm really sorry. Can you just wait there? He was just like, what? Because he's a cat person. And I ran <laughs> after her and she ran across the bogs. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. And I'm running across the bogs. So she's flushing out these partridges. She's like, oh my God, this is a And I'm like, come back. She's not listening to me. And then I started to fall in bogs as I was chasing her, like fall in holes. It was the most uncool thing that's ever happened to me. And obviously he doesn't really like dogs. So he was like, right. And I'm like, that's what happens with dogs. <laughs> He's like, that's why I don't have one. And I'm like, there you go. He does like her though. But um, she's, yeah, she's a bit of a celeb dog. Like 
she's become a bit of a name. People ask me more than anything, will Tickle be there? That's the question I get asked most. The answer is no, Tickle won't be there. It's just like people. But I think you should go, I think you should look into the ultra in, in Wales because I think that, in fact, we'll come, we'll come and do it with you. Yeah. It's in April. No, did I, I didn't it's, quite n- it's quite near. It's no, I April. couldn't do it this year. I want to see, I want to see how they go. I want to see how they go because there's a lot of dogs going to be there. And then if it goes really well, I'll enter her next year for sure. But I'm sorry, what do you think about this? I'm starting to think she's getting a bit old because she's nearly seven. No, I'm still going to, no, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, she's all right. She's all right. That's yeah. what she needs to she's fit and, and, you know, she's not got any injuries and canny crossing tends to not give them injuries anyway yeah. and too much. So as long as she's fit, you know your dog. Yeah, I know, but she's like me. She's a lazy, she's a lazy dog wanting to get out of the fit dog. Like she will lay there. She's asleep now. She's done one she's, mile she's today athlete. walking to drop the car off. She is asleep. She That's what athletes, athletes do. Right. Yeah, you're right. Sleep. Eat. You're right. You're right. You're 100% right. I'm not giving what, what does she eat by the way what do you, what kind of diet do you feed her? do you feed her extra on these long runs no she's a raw food dog so she eats chicken necks oh very posh she has three chicken necks for breakfast three chicken necks for dinner and she has a working dog kibble like half a cup on top just yeah. to like keep her regular she loves what i call doggy mcdonald's so that's any canned dog food it's doggy mcdonald's for her and so if we are out on a long, long, long run, I'll put like a little Lily's Kitchen, like one portion doggy McDonald's in my pack. Um, and then she can have that halfway through. But she's not really, I'd say she's not treat motivated. She lo- My house is full of treats, gross treats, you know, like furry rabbit's ears and venison skin and chicken's feet, like a raw pig snout. They smell, don't they, as well? Oh my God, it's yeah, There's an ostrich yeah. bone down there at the moment. But she doesn't have gravy bones she doesn't have crap food she has very very good food better food than me um and her teeth are so white and the vet is always super impressed by her um the vet said she was a little bit overweight the other week and that really annoyed me i had that with my last dog did you and you're, yeah. it doesn't you're, uh, was, you're like no was, they're not no ask him if he can go and run ultras or whatever i said to the vet she runs 40 miles a week and the vet said to me it's not really about what she runs though is it it's about what she eats and I'm like, um, well, no, I think it is about what she runs. <laughs> like, I was like, are you sure? It's because because she's really muscly. You just weighed her on the scales. Like, mm-hmm. She's super muscly. Um, she's got like a bit of fat around her neck, but she's beautiful. It's a healthy yeah. dog. Yeah. How can they say that? How can they say that? I don't know. And I've got to be honest with you. The vet's not in a position to be talking about my dog's weight. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say, but next time I'm going to say that to him. He's fat shaving my dog. I don't like him. We will, uh, yes. Yes, not good. Right, we could talk with you for ages, but we have a couple more questions we really want to talk about. So, um, Michelle, what do we want to talk about? Um, have you, so you're, some of, you said some of your clients are, try, are doing the ultra. Are you, with with the Candy Cross Ultra, are you training them? You're not training the dogs. You're just sort of giving them advice. No. Yeah, and I don't even give them advice. They don't even talk to me about it. Like they're just like we run with the dogs, and I think they all go and do their own canny cross thing. And I'm like, obviously not an expert in it, or I don't know anything about it. All I know is my dog likes to run with me. That's it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I train them as humans, but obviously they need to be. You do need to train your dog like you train a human, don't you? Because you need to up incrementally up their um. Yeah, their I think and you need to make sure they rest. I don't know that there's much science out there. Did someone say about it? Because I think that's what everyone tends to do. You just sort of build it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're capable of doing a lot more than we are anyway, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, but they also don't know when to stop, do they? So it's knowing when to stop them before they end up doing something stupid. So, yeah. um, but, you know, I think this time of year you're all right. I think it's when it gets hot that, that 
the de- big debate starts to go into it because the thing is she would go out in the heat and she will run after deer in the heat she's not she she'll end up killing herself so it's about stopping them from doing that isn't it yeah she sounds very much like my pickle that is prey driven mm. very very prey driven she's yeah. going to have to go to doggy school in the summer because i can't cope anymore because it's like i can't be doing fell running with her on a lead I can't do it because it it will literally turn into fell running where I will fall down the hill. Yeah. Because I can't it's just too technical. So and I watch people I know with their dogs and they're always pointers or vizzlers who are so well behaved well, and do not yes. bat an eyelid at a sheep and don't bat an eyelid at a squirrel. Whereas pickle is like back in a minute and I'm like, oh my God, it won't be a minute, that'll be 20 minutes. And she's uh, very much a scent hound. So the minute she loses the scent, or she's like, oh, that's gone too far away for me to bother now, she'll stop. But that could be 20 minutes. She won't kill yeah. it. She will just no. chase it. I have um, I have an issue on the, I run along the canal and um, we do intervals along the canal without having an interval session to do. But if we see a duck, we go a lot faster. Nicole yes. <laughs> so uh... calls that sprintervals, mummy. Do sprintervals <laughs> with the squirrels? I'm like, please, can you not? She's kind of gone off squirrels. I think she's got in her head now that they got the she's got off ducks because they fly she's got off squirrels because they got the tree but rabbits deer and sheep big problem yeah there's a lot of monk jack around here at the moment though oh, she loves them. the monk jack she loves them anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so what, what advice would you give to people who are considering like getting into ultra running just generally people or just people with dogs just people people generally um so it's not hard it isn't hard. Don't think it's hard because it's not. It's just it's a tiny bit further than marathon. So I said an ultra is 50k. So that's 30 miles, 32 miles, right? Which is not that much further than a marathon when you think about it. Um, and I think people seem to uh, if you look at the if you look at the media around it, it's all like Barkley Marathons, UTMB, uh, Lakeland 100, scary, scary stuff. But like, but ultras are everywhere. They're every weekend, everywhere laps all that sort of stuff there's some really good events companies like big bear like grew up north like phoenix and they do very very accessible routes so you know so before you know what's happened you've run an ultra and i think if you're really ultra curious the best way to do it is to look at it as time on feet rather than distance if you go out and run for six or seven hours at a nice steady jogging chatting eating cake pace you'll end up doing further than 26 miles and then you've done your ultra. It doesn't have to be brutal. It doesn't have to be horrible. It's a really social thing to do. And it's um, completely accessible for everybody, especially women who are better at it than men. So you don't need to be fast. You don't need to put pressure on yourself. It's about days days out, having a long day out. And now we're getting towards spring and summer. That's the time to go and test those long days out because you've got more daylight and more more of an opportunity. So, um, yeah, don't, don't be afraid of it. Just see it as just an elongated fun time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. It's like you have fun on a marathon, you have fun on a 10K, have fun on a half. You can have twice as much fun if you make the day longer. And I was going to say something then. And you've got to do strength training for it though. Yeah, you have. But you have to do, strength. You do, you do the same strength training for a 10K as you would do for an ultra. You just do oh. more strength training for an ultra. Like it's strength training, it's strength training, right? Like yeah. I think one of the, the myths that I get off of people is when I say to them, if they come to me as a running client, they're like, I just want to be able to do 50 miles and it not to hurt. And I'm like, do you honestly think that anybody can run 50 miles and it doesn't hurt? Because they can't. No. Not the guys that do it in four hours and not the guys that do it in 12 hours. Like, 
it will always hurt a bit because it's 50 miles. It's a long flipping way. So um, it is going to hurt a bit, but do your strength, train yourself properly by time rather than by miles and find your crew and you'll enjoy yourself and everything will be wonderful. Yeah, that's really good advice. advice. Yeah. So what's up next for you? What have you got on the horizon this year then? Um, Lakes Traverse on the 6th of April, mm-hmm. which is St. Bees to Shap, uh, 100k. And then uh, June, I've got the Spine Challenger South. That's 108 miles from Edale to Hebden, yeah. I think. Then we've got um, Lakeland 100. Then we've got, what else is there? Oh yeah, the Winter Downs two hundred. So that's in, that's in December. It's two hundred miler and the Centurion organised. So I don't know why I'm doing that. I, th- I think I, I do know what I'm doing because I got really bad FOMO last year because I was on holiday oh. in the Philippines. I was on a beach in the Philippines looking at my phone, going to my friend, "Look, does it look good?" And she was like, "No, no, it doesn't look good. You're in the Philippines. There is raining and wet and dark." I was like, "Oh, this looks so good." So I'm doing that. Um, and then I'm going to w- wedge something in um, September, October. There's a climb southwest 100 miler on the north coast of uh, Southwest Coast Pass, so I might go and do that. But yeah, that's I'm trying. I know that sounds like a lot, but I'm trying to slim down what I do. So I do things that matter to me and that I like, and that are not just ram loads of events in for the sake of it. Because there was a time where I do like an ultra a weekend, and I'm not doing that anymore. It's not very good for me. No. Well, uh, that sounds a lot to me, but um, especially the south. I'm walking the southwest coast path at the moment. So, uh, oh, whereabouts have you got to? You're doing it in chunks. Yeah, so we got past Penzance. So the last time I was out, there was a race. I think you were there. The Ark of Attrition. Was that just a couple of weeks ago? Couple January months. that was. Yeah, January. Yeah, I think we started on the Sunday, and you did it on Saturday. Look, that's what you get. This is what you get. Oh wow! This is what Actually, oh. I should just take a picture of that so we can show people. Yeah. So that's that's a huge, a huge buckle, is it? It's how big yeah. it is. It's big as my wow. head. That's amazing. Enormous. That is my first. I mean, there will one. be a picture to accompany that. I'm taking um, it. That was my first one, and then I, last year I did it again. This year I did it again because I loved it. I mean, I say I loved it. It's like having post-traumatic stress disorder uh, or like Stockholm syndrome. You're like, I love that race. I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> Madness. But it is beautiful. It's a beautiful race. It's really hard because of the time of year and it's 15 hours in the dark. So, um, but it's... And, the, and the coast path is, oh, I yeah. mean, that's probably the worst part of the part we've done. And I canny trek pickle doing that. I mean, she's really good now because she'll get up on a boulder because there's so many boulders to go over and stuff like that, isn't there? Baby girl, pickle pie, has done the architrician route twice because wow. uh, she wrecked with me. And yeah. she loves the Southwest Coast Path. It's her favourite place to run because there's no sheep. So yeah. she's like, I'm free. And she's she's a view. Do your dogs look at the view? Do they get on a boulder and look at the view? Because Pickle loves so. to look I at the view. I take lots of pictures of them doing that, yeah. Yeah, Pickle does it all the time. She'll get the highest up she can and then she'll just look. And it's like, she's looking at the goddamn view. I, I feel like she might actually be looking for prey. But I'll say she's looking at the view. But yeah, the Southwest Coast Path is her favourite place. She wants to move to Cornwall. So we're going to move to Cornwall in a few in a few years. Oh, well, I'll see you down there because I'm down there a lot. But anyway, so let's, because we have taken way too much of your time. I'm very aware of that. I like talking about my dog and running, so you're all right. It's better than writing an itinerary for a workshop that I'm doing next week, which is what the other thing I was doing. Yeah, we've got one tonight. We're doing that as well, aren't we? Anyway, so tell our listeners where they can buy your book and where they can follow you. 
Um, you can buy the book on Amazon if you are Amazon inclined um, or Vertebrate's website, which is adventurebooks.com. This has got some signed copies on there, actually. Um, and then uh, I'm on Instagram all the time, AB underscore runs. Although I started watching something on Netflix last night, which makes me think I shouldn't be on Instagram. So <laughs> stop watching scary programs on Netflix. Um, so, yes, that's where you can find me. Yeah, and it's uh, you, you. You see everything. You see all your adventures as well, and, and see. I literally, of, uh, you literally see everything. Like it's yeah. a bit, mu- a bit much sometimes. But there you yeah. go. There you go. Brilliant. And uh, Michelle, have you got anything else that you want to no, ask? No, just thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, what, what an enjoyable pleasure. chat. Thanks for having me, and I'm really glad to know that because I was a bit like, oh, I feel like a bit fraud because I don't go racing with her, but. I think it's each their own, isn't it? It's what you enjoy. Yeah. And I don't think, I think she likes the occasional let's go canny cross, but she's not a racing dog. Like she's a, she's a, she's an ultra dog. Best mate dog. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she's an ultra dog. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, excellent. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of Canny Cross Conversations. If you've got any questions, let us know. And we will see you on the next episode. enjoyed today's episode don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and if you get a moment please leave us a review we'll see you next time on canny cross conversations thanks to our sponsors non-stop dogwear head to your local non-stop dogwear stockist to check out the new trekking dog raincoat and insulated jacket